Well, what is God's will for your life? It's a pretty big question. I mean, we're talking about God and what he wants for you, what he wants you to be doing, how he wants you to live. Clearly, this is something you'd want to get right if you're at all interested in God. And so it's not surprising that many Christians talk about God's will for your life, trying to work out what it is. It usually revolves around a decision that you're making. So, you know, is it God's will for me to be a doctor or a carpenter? Is it God's will for me to move to Tamworth or to stay in Dubbo? Is it God's will for me to own our own home or to live in a rental? And we can find ourselves getting worked up about it all. Uh, Anxious about whether or not you're going to get God's will for your life all wrong. Because what happens if you get it wrong? What happens if you move to Tamworth when you're meant to stay in Dubbo? Have you somehow stepped outside of God's will for your life? And if so, what's that mean? What are the consequences? What will happen to you? So when it comes to God's will, we can find ourselves in the unknown, not sure what it is, and we can find ourselves anxious, getting worried about getting it right. But when we read the Bible, God tells a very different story about his will for our lives. This morning, God wants to move us from the unknown and anxious to known and excited. God's will for our lives, it's not meant to be a burden. It's not an impossible puzzle that you know, kind of leaves you in knots over how to live. No, God's will for our lives, it is very clear. It is very amazing and it should thrill us. Last week, we saw that Paul gave thanks for the Colossians because they had become Christians. As we pick it up this week in verse 9, Paul spells out for them what life looks like now that they acknowledge Jesus as their God, and it means that their lives are all about knowing God's will. We see this in what Paul prays for them. So look at it there with me in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. He wants us to know his will. He doesn't want us to be in the dark. But more than that, God wants us to know his will, in verse 9, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He doesn't want us to just know what he wants so that we can, you know, kind of recite it, like you're in a school exam, you know, just spit it out. Now, he wants us to know it through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, for God's spirit to implant God's will in our hearts so that we more than just know it, but that we value it, we desire it. God's spirit giving us such conviction about God's will that we're moved by it. Every now and then, I wish I could draw. Uh, Even getting a stick figure in the right proportions is a little bit tricky for me. A couple of times my kids have borrowed, you know, those how to draw books from the library. Uh, One of them was how to draw superheroes. And uh, I pick it up and I think, gee, it'd be really nice to be able to do that. And occasionally I've even got out a piece of paper and I had a go, working my way through the first chapter. It's not as easy as it looks in the books. My superheroes, they need more than their superpowers to get out of the trouble that I put them in. And so I just end up putting the book away and I throw my drawing out. 
Clearly, my conviction, my desire to be able to draw, it's not that strong, is it? If I really wanted to do it, then, well, I'd persevere. I'd keep drawing, I'd keep drawing, but my heart's not in it, and so, for me, it just remains a dream. When it comes to God's will for our lives, what God wants for us is for our heart to be in it. He wants us to know his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding because we can just know God's will as something that you read off the page. And in fact, we're going to do this in a second. Paul tells us what God's will for our lives is in verse 10. Our problem isn't knowing what God's will is. That part's easy. Our problem is wanting what God wants, treasuring what God wants, having a conviction about God's will such that we actually live it out. This is why Paul's prayer is that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that God's spirit would so change our hearts, giving us such a deep conviction about God's will that we would then live it out. Now, this is not something that you can muster up on your own. This is the work of God, his spirit changing our hearts. This is what Paul was praying for God to do in the Colossians. So what is God's will for our lives? Well, we're told in black and white in the very next verse. Here it is. God's will for our lives, verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. There is God's will for our lives, that we would please him in every way. Straight up and down the line, it's very straightforward. God's will for us is that we please him in every every way, and we will do that. We will please God when our hearts are convicted that this is good and right. Notice how the verses are working. Paul prays for God to fill them with a spiritual understanding of his will in order that they will then please God. It's changed hearts leads to changed lives. If I did somehow get convicted about becoming a better drawer, if my heart was in it, what would I do? I'd reborrow the books, wouldn't I? I'd grab out my bit of paper and I'd start drawing and I'd keep doing it. I would do it because my heart was in it. God's will for our lives is that we will please him in every way and we will do that when our heart's in it. Changing our hearts, that's God's work. So pray for me, won't you? Pray for all of us. Because when God changes our hearts our lives get changed. Now, in all this talk of knowing God's will and living to please God in everything we do, we can very quickly think of ourselves uh, individually. But Paul here, he's actually addressing the church as a whole. We pray this in order that you, plural, all of you, he's giving the church a vision of what they could be like together. And how good would it be if DPC was a place where together we please God in every way. How good would that be? When our hearts together are so convicted by God's will for us that we throw ourselves into living to please God. Now, what would that look like? If God's will is that together we please him in every way, what would that involve? Well, that's exactly what Paul then goes on to spell out for us in the rest of our verses. He does it by using four 
I-N-G words, four ing words. Uh, So look at it there, halfway through verse 10. We please God in every way by bearing fruit in every good work, growing in knowledge, verse 11, being strengthened, and down in verse 12, by giving thanks. You can see those four ways on your outline. We'll look at them now, each in turn. The first way we can please God in every way is by bearing fruit in every good work. Now, when we get to chapter 3, a little bit later on, Paul's going to spell out in some detail what some of these every good works are. And they're things like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and love. And so when we get to chapter 3 in a few weeks, we'll look at them in some detail. But for now, I just want you to notice how Paul says that we can please God in every way by bearing fruit in every good work. Not just the good works that we find easy or the good works we like, like loving our friends, but also the good works that we find hard, like loving our enemies. And imagine again with me, won't you, what kind of church we could be, what kind of people we would be together if every single one of us was bearing fruit to God in every good work, where love and kindness and forgiveness, they are just dished out in abundance without discrimination. This is God's heart for us, his people. This is his will for our lives, that a great harvest of righteousness would be reaped among us as together we're bearing fruit in every good work. And notice that we can do this whether we're living in Dubbo or whether we're living in Tamworth. You can live out God's will for your life in Kakadu or Kathmandu. God's will for us doesn't involve the small fry of where we live, but the big fry of how we live, bearing fruit in every good work. And please remember how we'll bear this fruit. How will we do this? Not by trying harder. It's not by coming up with 10 steps to godliness. We will bear this fruit when we're filled with the knowledge of this will of God through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We'll bear fruit in every good work when our hearts are won by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so again I say, please pray for us. Pray for us all. The second way we can live to please our Heavenly Father is, this one's really delightful, We're told in verse 10 that it pleases God when we're growing in our knowledge of him. Simply growing in your knowledge of God brings him great delight. And that is what you want, isn't it? Don't you want to know your God better? Think about it with me. I know we've heard this so many times, but we are talking about actually, truly knowing God. (laughs) The maker of the universe, you can know him personally. There's all sorts of impressive people in the world. You know, there's celebrities all over the place in movies and politics, sport, science, medicine. And depending on your interest, you know, there's, there's going to be people that you would just really love to meet. For me, it's you know, Steve Waugh, Alan Border, just cliched, boring, but I'd really like to meet them. Probably never happen. And even if it did, I wouldn't actually get to know them, would I? It'd just be a meet and a greet. But the one true living God, his will for our lives is that we would grow in our knowledge of him. Not just that we'd know him, 
but that we would know him more and more and more and more and it pleases him when we do. This is why reading our Bibles, it's just bread and butter for anyone who is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in his word, his marvellous word, God takes us into his very heart. By, by his word, we can know what God likes and what he doesn't like. We can know what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, how we can be caught up in it all. By his word, God tells us what he thinks of us, what he's done for us, what he promises us. By God's word, we grow in our knowledge of God. And again, please notice that you can do this whether you're a carpenter or whether you're a doctor. Whether you own a house or whether you rent a house. All those kinds of things, they just pale into insignificance when we hear what God's actual will for our lives is. His will is that we would grow in our knowledge of him together. That's his will for our lives. That's why here at church, everything we do, we want to be saturated by the word of God. When we meet here on a church on a Sunday, the, the prayers we pray, the songs we sing, the readings we have, the Bible talks we listen to, everything is covered by the word of God. It's why we want our, as many people as possible to be involved in a growth group during the week. So that in smaller groups of people, again, we can meet together around God's word to grow in our knowledge of him and it pleases him when we do. The third way we can please God in every way is when we're being strengthened to endure. So look at it there with me this time in verse 11. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. God's will for us is that we would be strengthened to endure. It gives him great pleasure when we persevere in our faith in Christ despite the difficulties that we face. Because the only reason you have to endure anything is when it's hard. When Catherine and I had just started courting, we were invited to a friend's house. Uh, they'd just got married. They invited us over for lunch, and it really was quite delightful just to catch up with them. Came time to sit down for lunch. I can't tell you what they served us up for lunch, except for one thing, the now infamous carrot and cabbage salad took up about a third of my plate somehow it was pink and I hadn't tasted anything so awful in my life it was terrible I was eating it with all the other food on my plate to try and hide the taste but it it was it was powerful stuff and I was brought up with you don't leave anything on your plate you know you eat what you're given so I swallowed every disgusting morsel it was truly a test of my endurance what about in our following of Christ as our God? What, what tests our endurance in keeping our faith in him? Maybe sickness or tragedy. In our lives or in the lives of the people that we love. When something like cancer comes or a life's cut short by tragedy. That can make some people wonder if God's really there. Or perhaps the way you've been treated by some people in church. Sometimes the hurts can cut so deep you just want to walk away. Or maybe the ridicule and the insulting that you receive because you follow Christ and frankly you're just over it and you would like to somehow just to fit in, to blend in. 
And if you just gave up on Jesus, then all the pain would go away. Whatever might be making it hard for you to keep your faith in Christ, let me encourage you with the truth of verse 11, where God says that his will for us is that we would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. God has the power to create the universe. He has the might to raise the dead and his will is that we would be strengthened with all power according to his might so that we'd endure. That even when terrible things happen to us, by his power, we wouldn't stop seeing his goodness. We wouldn't stop knowing his love. God's will for us is that by his power we would endure in our faith in Christ. Sometimes we can think that, you know, when life's going well, uh, when things are easy, that must be because God's on our side. When actually God's will for us is not that we have an easy life. That's not what he says. What we're told here is that his will for us is that we will endure with great patience. In other words, his will is that we will keep our faith in Christ when life gets hard. That even when life is falling apart, we'd endure in our trust in Christ as our God. That is God's will for us. So pray for us, won't you? That God will do his good work in our hearts. And the last way we can live to please God in verse 12 is by joyful thanksgiving and Honestly, that's a little bit weird, isn't it? I mean, Paul has just been speaking about uh, patiently enduring. How does joyful thanksgiving line up with having to go through hard and horrible things? Well, have a look from verse 12 and look for the reason why we can joyfully give thanks. Verse 12, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We can always joyfully give thanks to the father because by Christ our sins are forgiven. By Christ the father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of his son. And so no matter how hard this life gets and it gets hard, no matter what our pain here, that we might know that it, it cannot compare to all that God has in store for his people. God's will for us is that we would see with spiritual wisdom, we would see what he has done for us in Christ, that we would understand the riches of what he has in store for us in Christ so that right here and now we would joyfully give him thanks, even in the pain of life. Can you see what we're being shown in these verses? We're being given an insight into God's heart for us. We're being shown what his will is for us, his people, how we can please him in every way. And when we know what God wants, and when he's changed our hearts to love what he wants, we will throw ourselves into all that he wants for us. And as I said before, we'll see in some detail what that'll look like when we get to chapter 3. But for now, I just want to encourage us with what God is doing among us. That God is by his spirit 
cementing his will for us in our hearts with his deep conviction. Imagine us as a church family with our hearts beating as one for all that God has in store. And so I say again, please pray for us. This is God's work in us. Pray for these grand, eternal, God-given desires to play out in our lives. So many times we can find ourselves praying for trivial things, can't we? And we find ourselves praying for them as if they are the big ticket items in our lives. Like, you know, the settlement on the house coming through or getting over a sickness or passing a big exam or having a good job interview. Those things are not the big ticket items in our lives. God's told us what the big ticket items are. Friends, how good would it be if in our growth groups, when we ask for prayer points from one another, we're saying things like, can you please pray for me because I'd love to be more loving. Please pray for me because I'd really love to know my God more. Please pray for me because I'd like to keep going in my faith in Christ. Please pray for me because I'd love to be more thankful. Friends, these are the big tickets grand, eternal plans of God. This is God's will for us, his church. And so please pray for us. Pray that God will fill us with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Please pray for us all. We'll do that now. Don't make this the last time, but we'll do it now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for making yourself known. Thank you for making yourself clear. And so, Father, we're asking that by your spirit, you would give us such conviction about living out your will in our lives that, Father, we would please you in every way. And we ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen.